0: In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Church family, I thank God for you. You are loved. I hope you have a fantastic Thanksgiving week. Well, in our desire to hear God speak, let's open the Bible to Romans chapter 11. Romans chapter 11. I love to hear the sound of the pages rustling. It's probably one of the biggest weaknesses of those Roman scripture journals is they don't make a lot of noise. How many of you are using the Roman scripture journal? Hold it up. I want to see how many How many of you are using that? Yeah. Awesome. God speaks through his word, and so let's listen now for his voice and his truth. In our study through the book of Romans, we're going to look at Romans chapter 11, verses 11 through 24 this morning. Romans 11, beginning in verse 11. Follow along as I read God's Word over us. Paul says, So I ask, did they stumble in order that they might fall? By no means. Rather, through their trespass, salvation has come to the Gentiles so as to make Israel jealous. Now, if their trespass means riches for the world, and if their failure means riches for the Gentiles, how much more will their full inclusion mean? Now I'm speaking to you Gentiles. inasmuch then as I am an apostle to the Gentiles, I magnify my ministry in order somehow to make my fellow Jews jealous and thus save some of them. For if their rejection means reconciliation of the world, what will their acceptance mean but life from the dead? If the dough offered as firstfruits is holy, so is the whole lump. And if the root is holy so are the branches. But if some of the branches were broken off and you, although a wild olive shoot, were grafted in among the others and now share in the nourishing root of the olive tree, do not be arrogant toward the branches. If you are, remember it is not you who support the root, but the root that supports you. Then you will say, branches were broken off that I might be grafted in. That is true. Otherwise, you too will be cut off. And even if they, and, and even they, if they did not continue in their unbelief, will be grafted in. For God has the power to graft them in again. For if you were, cut, you were cut from what is by nature a wild olive tree and grafted contrary to nature, into a cultivated olive tree, how much more will these, the natural branches, be grafted back into their own? olive tree. This is the powerful Word of our God. May He write its truth on our hearts. Let's jump right in. Look at verse 22. In verse 22, Paul commands us to note something. Note then the kindness and the severity of God. The command to note is literally to look To behold. Other translations say to consider. Paul is commanding us to pay careful attention to these truths. So, that is what God's Word says we need this morning. We need to note something. We need to not just take notes, but we need to note, to consider, to look, to stare at both the kindness and the severity of our God. Notice Paul does not say glance at or merely mention the kindness and severity of God. He says, behold it. Behold two realities. Behold that God is kind and God is severe. It is crucial to see the word and. We are not merely to note God's kindness, we're not merely to note God's severity. See, both are foundational aspects of God's character. If God is to be truly known by us, we must consider the fullness of who God is. Far too often we try to make God comfortable to us. We love the kindness of God, don't we? We love the love of God. We love the grace of God. But when we try to imagine God just to be a a Santa Claus in the sky who's always jolly and always nice and overlooks our naughtiness, We worship a God of our own making. Friends, God will not be edited or adjusted by people who want a manageable God who exists for their own comfort. Consider both the kindness of God. Yes, He is full of kindness. And the severity of God. Consider both the kindness and the severity of God. Or we could say, note the mercy of God and the wrath of God. Look at the friendship of God and the fierceness of God. Consider the tenderness of God and the toughness of God. Ponder the grace and the gravity of God. He is kind and He is severe. You see, if all we do is consider the kindness of God, our faith will be incomplete and God will not be glorified as He should. If all we do is consider the severity of God, Our faith will be incomplete and God will not be glorified as He should. We've seen God's kindness and God's severity paired together before. Turn back a few pages to Romans chapter 2. Romans chapter 2, verses 4 and 5. Note both the kindness and the severity of God in these two verses. Romans chapter 2, verse 4. Or do you presume? on the riches of His kindness and forbearance and patience, not knowing that God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance. But because of your hard and impenitent heart, you are storing up wrath for yourself on the day of wrath when God's righteous judgment will be revealed. Note the kindness and the severity of our God. Well, let's continue obeying that command by considering both the kindness and the severity of God in what Paul is saying in this whole passage, Romans 11, verses 11-24. So, two main headings. Really clear outline this morning. Number one, note the kindness of God. Note the kindness of God. So in this passage... Paul is continuing to unfold God's plan for Jews and Gentiles together as one unified people. Chapter 10, verse 12 says, there's no distinction between Jew and Greek. The same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing His riches on all who call upon Him. And in the midst of this grand plan of salvation, Jews and Gentiles together, God still yet deals with ethnic Jews and ethnic Gentiles in unique ways to bring unity in the gospel. Paul has said, Jews stumbled over Jesus, the stumbling stone, but their stumbling was not final. God has chosen a remnant of Israel to show that he's always faithful to his promises, that his word has not failed. But Israel's hardening and stumbling and unbelief, Paul says, has a purpose. And that purpose, according to verse 12, is that the riches of God's salvation, the riches of His kindness, go to all the world and to all people groups. And so Paul explains both God's kindness to Gentiles and God's kindness to Israel in this passage. Both God's kindness to Jews and to Gentiles. And so let's consider God's kindness in two ways. First, we behold God's kindness in saving Gentiles. We behold God's kindness in saving Gentiles. Now remember, salvation is first for the Jews. God chose the Jews to be the people He gave His covenants and promises to. Jesus the Messiah was born as a Jew who came for the Jews. But as Paul has been explaining, now God is saving Gentiles. That is, non-Jews like most of us. Verse 11 says that because of Israel's trespass, salvation has come to the Gentiles. Verse 12 says Israel's failure means riches for the rest of the world. Friends, that includes us. Praise God that riches have come To all the world. This is God's kindness to us. God's kindness to include us in His plan of salvation. We get riches only by God's kindness. And God's kindness is very rich indeed. Now all of that we saw last week. All of that was just a summary of last week. But it gets even better than that in this passage. So in verse 16, notice Paul gives two illustrations the first illustration is the concept of first-fruits. The priest or the people would offer a portion of their food as an offering, a first-fruits offering to God. The purpose of giving that portion was to declare that the whole was God's. They gave the portion to say, "God, all of it is yours." And so if the dough offered as first-fruits is holy, then the whole lump was holy to the Lord. I think Paul's point here is that Israel was the first fruits and now we Gentiles are part of this whole lump made holy. The second illustration in verse 16 clarifies it, I think, even better. Paul says, if the root is holy, so are the branches. The branches of a tree get their nourishment and life from the root. I think the root in this case are the patriarchs. The promises of God to his people. And because God is faithful to his people and to his promises, that is, because the root is holy, so he will be faithful to all the branches, that is, to all the people who are experiencing the riches of his kindness in Jesus. And what Paul does, particularly in verses 17 through 24, is he teases out this illustration significantly. If that's my lapel mic, you can just put it on the pulpit mic. What Paul does in verses 17 through 24 is he teases out this illustration significantly. Here we see the incredible kindness of God to Gentiles in this illustration about the root and the branches. Now we're also going to see God's severity in this illustration, but first we're noting his kindness. So try to Try to get this illustration that Paul gives. I'm going to try to summarize it here. Here's what Paul says. Israel and God's plan is like a fruitful olive tree. The root of this olive tree is incredibly nourishing. The patriarchs, the promises of God, the blessings of God to Israel. Think of all of the promises of the old covenant. All of these things are the root of this olive tree. And this root is incredibly nourishing. However... Because of unbelief, Israel was broken off of the olive tree. Israel was snapped off. They're no longer part of the nourishing root, and it is entirely their own fault, Paul says. However, what God has done, according to verse 17, is he has grafted Gentiles into this olive tree. Think of how amazing this would have been to first century Jews and Gentiles. That God has broken off the natural branches and he has grafted in the Gentiles. Now, grafting is the process of taking branches from one tree and connecting that branch to a healthy tree so that it becomes part of that healthy tree. God has done that for Gentiles. In Jesus, God has grafted us into the nourishing root of his plans, of his promises to his people. This is amazing kindness. To use another illustration, to illustrate the illustration, think of adoption. In adoption, an orphan gets grafted into a family, right? That child becomes a full member of that family and receives the nourishment and blessing that that family provides. Paul says God has done that for Gentiles like us. God has broken off natural branches so that we can be connected to the nourishing root of the olive tree. He has taken us who are far off and he has brought us near through the blood of Jesus. What kindness, what kindness is this to graft us in to this nourishing tree? Paul says, note the kindness of God. Pay attention to it. Look at it. Behold how kind God has been. Behold that he has been compassionate. Behold the sweetness of his mercy to you to graft you into this awesome tree. This is how God has been kind to us Gentiles. And just a parenthesis here before we move on. This means that there is only one people of God. This means there's only one people. They're not two trees. There's not one tree for Jews and one tree for Gentiles. No, we are grafted into the one tree. God's people under both Old Covenant and New Covenant are part of the same tree rooted in the soil of the redemption of Jesus the Messiah. Friends, which has all kinds of implications for the way we pursue unity in our local church. Praying for and working toward unity in the body of Christ is no small calling. And all of us have been called to pursue it. To lay down our pride. To lay down our preferences for the good of this one tree. Close parentheses. Behold the kindness of God to Gentiles. And the second way we see God's kindness in this passage is we behold God's kindness in pursuing Israel, We behold God's kindness in pursuing Israel. So Paul has labored the point over these three chapters that Israel is blinded and hardened because of her unbelief. We would think that because of Israel's rejection of the Messiah, that God would leave them to fend for themselves. But that's not what we learn from this passage. God, in his kindness, is still pursuing Israel verses 11 through 15 actually teach that the way God is pursuing Israel right now is by seeking to make her jealous of the Gentiles. God is at work stirring a holy jealousy in the Jews. Notice in verses 13 and 14, Paul says this is his whole ministry. His whole ministry is based on this fact. He is preaching to the Gentiles in hopes that God would make his fellow Jews jealous so that God might save some of them, so that God might raise them from the dead, he says. We see this, pull, we see this played out in the book of Acts, don't we? Remember, Paul would go to a city. He would preach in the Jewish synagogue, but they would reject him. They would kick him out of the synagogue. And then what would Paul do? Would he just stop preaching because he was rejected? No, he would go to the Gentiles. He would preach to the Gentiles. And the purpose, he says, is so that the Jews would realize what they're missing that the Gentiles now had. And so in his kindness, God is still pursuing Israel. He's still pursuing Jews. But also in this olive tree illustration, we see another way that God is extending his kindness to Israel. How is God being kind to Israel? Look at verses 23 and 24. Paul says, even they, that is the Jews, if they do not continue in their unbelief, which is another way to say if they believe, will be grafted in. If they believe, they will be grafted in. For God has the power to graft them in again. For if you were cut off from what is by nature a wild olive tree and grafted contrary to nature into a cultivated olive tree, olive tree, how much more will these, the natural branches, be grafted back into their own olive tree? So God not only has the power to graft Israel back into her own olive tree, but, but not only does God have the power to do it, but I look at this passage and it sounds to me like God has the desire to do it. Like God is pursuing them in his kindness in this way. He wants Israel to turn from their rebellion and to embrace the Messiah so that they could be grafted back into this nourishing olive tree. This illustration, I think, is meant to give hope that God is not done with Israel. He is still at work among the Jews to draw a remnant to himself. How kind of God. What kindness is this? And his kindness, according to chapter 2, is meant to lead us all to repentance. His kindness is meant to draw us away from our sin and to embrace Jesus and all that he has accomplished for us. Friends, we could go on and on and on and on talking about the kindness of God. Psalm 145 says that God is kind to all. His compassion Rest on all that he has made. But we need to move to behold the severity of God. Because the command in verse 22 is to note both the kindness of God and the severity of God. And so number two, note the severity of God. The word that Paul uses for severity in verse 22 literally means cutting off. It's a reference to God's decisive punishment of sin and rebellion. In his excellent classic book called Knowing God, J.I. Packer unpacked it this way. He said, the principle which God is applying here is that behind every display of divine kindness stands A threat of severity in judgment if that kindness is scorned. God offers kindness, goodness, faithfulness, compassion to all. And his severity is seen when that kindness is shunned, when that kindness is scorned. So behold the severity of God in two ways. Just as we did with the kindness of God, notice the severity of God first. We behold God's severity in cutting off unbelieving Israel. We behold God's severity in cutting off unbelieving Israel. Israel. This doesn't need much explanation. It's right here on the surface of this olive tree illustration. And Paul has been laboring this point for three chapters. Verse 20 makes clear that Israel's lack of faith got them cut off from the nourishing root. They have scorned God's Messiah and they have been given over to their desires. And so to uphold his righteousness, to display his glory, God has lopped them off. We saw in chapter, earlier in this chapter, verses 7 through 10, God has hardened unbelieving Israel. He has blinded their eyes. He has given them a spirit of stupor. So ponder the severity of God to Israel. He cut them off. He broke them off. He lopped them off. But the second way we see God's severity in this passage is this. Number two, we behold God's severity in warning Gentiles to fear. We behold God's severity in warning the Gentiles to fear. This is the main point of this whole metaphor of the olive tree. Here's the main point Paul writes it. He writes this passage as a warning to us, to Gentile Christians against arrogance and presumption of the kindness of God. Notice verse 18. Do not be arrogant toward the branches. If you are, remember, it is not you who support the root, but the root that supports you. So evidently what happened, what was happening among the Christians in Rome was that Gentiles were beginning to boast over the Jews because they had salvation. They began to view themselves over the Jews as in this privileged position and they looked down on those who had been broken off. Paul undercuts this pride by saying, we need to remember we are not the roots. We are merely branches supported and nourished by the root. He says, friends, this isn't our tree. We were grafted in to this tree. Notice the strong admonition at the end of verse 20. He says, so do not become proud, but fear. Fear, he says, the severity of God. Is there a holy trembling in your soul, at the severity of God. Now, why fear? Why fear? Notice verse 21. For. If God did not spare the natural branches, neither will he spare you. Friends, at every stage of our lives. Pride is our greatest enemy. And humility is our greatest friend. At every stage of our lives, pride is our greatest enemy and humility is our greatest friend. The reason pride is our greatest enemy is because pride puts us in opposition to God. Humility is our greatest friend because humility is always, in every circumstance, the posture God desires in us. You see, friends we can begin to think that the whole world revolves around us. This is especially true to be aware of as Americans. It is ingrained in our culture from the youngest age to get us to think that we are better than everyone else. As American Christians, we can even begin to assume that God loves us more than he loves any other culture, any other nation. Friends, that's blasphemous thought. It's blasphemous and it's presumption and it's pride at its ugliest. Notice the strong warning at the end of verse 22. He says, provided you continue in his kindness, otherwise you too will be cut off off Paul says the reason we should have humility and the reason we should fear God in his severity is because God will cut us off just like he did the natural branches Now of course Paul is not teaching here that Christians true Christians can lose their salvation No one truly grafted in to the olive tree will be cut off. Paul has labored this point throughout Romans, particularly in Romans chapter 8, where he said there is never, ever any condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Nothing can separate us from the love of Christ ever. If we are foreknown and predestined and called and justified, we will certainly be glorified because if God is for us, who can successfully be against us? Those who are united to Jesus by faith will be kept and held fast to the end. Period. Praise God. And the warnings in Scripture like this one, and this isn't the only one in Scripture, the warnings that are here, they are means of grace to keep us persevering and continuing in God's kindness. The warnings of scripture like this one are there to keep us in faith, enduring to the end. This is not an empty threat. It is a reminder of how serious our faith is. It is a reminder that people can think they are grafted in and really not be. We should not presume we have faith, but we should examine ourselves to see if we are truly grafted in. This is a warning against false faith that will not endure to the end. This reminds me of Jesus' warning to the seven churches in the book of Revelation. Jesus says, if you do not repent, I will come and remove your lampstand. Friends, how many churches, how many nations, how many entire cultures are void of gospel witness today because Jesus has remove their lampstand. He's cut them off from the tree because of their unbelief. Behold the severity of God. Fear, tremble at, have reverence toward the severity of our God. Church family, I urge you, kill all pride by the gospel of Jesus. Search out, root out all the pride that exists in you and crucify it by the cross of Jesus. Kill pride, but also cultivate humility. Friends, you aren't the root of this tree. And if you continue in your unbelief, you will be cut off. And so Paul gives at least three exhortations here to us Gentile Christians in this passage. Other than the command to note the kindness and severity of God, notice these exhortations. Verse 20. Paul says, stand fast through faith. Stand fast through faith. Don't give in, don't give up, but stand fast in your faith. Also, verse 20. Secondly, do not become proud, but fear. Do not let pride take root in your heart, but fear God. And then in verse 22 at the end, continue in God's kindness. We stand... But our standing is by faith alone. And that means we only stand by grace, not by who we are, not by what we've done. We stand by grace alone. We have no inherent claim to any of these blessings. It is not us who support the root, but the root that supports us. And so this whole passage is a warning. To Gentile Christians, to kill pride and cultivate humility. God's plan of salvation is meant to humble us and remind us that God is severe and God is kind. God is kind and God is severe. And So let me close with these two exhortations based on this passage. First, cling to God's kindness. Cling to the kindness of God. The command in verse 22 is to continue in God's kindness, cling to it like your life depends on it, because it does continue in his kindness, cling to it. And so I'd argue that what Paul is saying here is that beholding the severity of God is meant to help us cling to God's kindness when we see his severity, when we fear his wrath and his judgment, we should cling to God's kindness. As we flee from God's, kind, from God's severity, we run to God's kindness. We take refuge in the shelter of his grace, his mercy, and his kindness. And Friends, the ultimate display of the kindness of God is in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. You see, his kindness was displayed in cutting off his own son so that we could be grafted into this nourishing tree. Jesus was cut off so that we could be grafted in. Have you been grafted in by faith in Jesus? Are you delighting in the kindness of God's salvation toward you, the riches of his kindness to you? I hope this week you have a chance to be with family and friends. And I hope at some point as you gather around a Thanksgiving meal with family and friends, I hope at some point, and maybe this should be you, just start asking people what are they thankful for? What are you thankful for? What are you thankful for? We have so much to be thankful for, friends, but I'd argue, I would argue that we should be most thankful for our salvation in Jesus. What do we have apart from this? What would be good apart from salvation in Jesus? Friends, we would be lost forever. We would perish eternally apart from the salvation we have in Jesus. Apart from God's kindness, friends, we would have nothing to be thankful for. Zero We should be more thankful for this than all the health and prosperity that we enjoy, than all the family and friends that God has blessed us with. We have been grafted in, and this makes all the difference for what we are thankful for. So cling to God's kindness, not just this week, but for eternity. Cling to God's kindness to you in Jesus. Secondly and finally, flee from God's severity. Cling to his kindness, but flee from God's severity. Allow this warning to cause you to have a healthy fear of this God who will judge pride and presumption by his grace. God is kind to those who trust in him, but he is severe to those who scorn his kindness. And so this passage says to us, God will not be trifled with. God will not be played with. And his severity is a gift to waken us from the slumber of our pride and mediocrity. Let me just be real clear before we pray and sing a final song and we're dismissed from this place. Let me be real clear. If you don't repent of your sin and trust in Jesus alone, you will face the severity of the wrath of God forever. Forever. So flee to Jesus, flee to Jesus who took the punishment that our sins deserve so that we can know God's kindness forever. Flee from the severity of God to the wonderful, merciful, kind Savior. Let's do that now. Oh God, we cling to your kindness